Thank you, Jesus. I'm grateful this morning for the Lord. He's so good to us. If you have your Bibles, I want you to turn with me to Exodus 17. Thank you. We're going to read a portion of Scripture. And um, then I'm going to read one in Psalm 60 and Psalms 20. But in Exodus 17, hallelujah. Good to be here this morning. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Good to be here. Good to be in God's house. Good to be with the company of the saints of God. Amen. People of like precious faith. You're my brother and sister in Christ Jesus. And guess what? We're going to spend eternity together. Amen. Hallelujah. It's not going to be a family reunion that you don't want to go to. Yeah. It's going to be a family reunion you want to be at. Thank you, Jesus. In Exodus chapter 7, we're going to read, starting with the 8th verse, very familiar passage of Scripture. I pulled out two different times that I preached this out of my sermon notes, and uh, God just sent me kind of in a different direction. And so, you know, you may preach the same thing as long as it's fresh. That's what matters. The manna was fresh every day. Praise God. And, uh, you know, uh, but in Exodus chapter 17, verse 8, the Bible says this. We're going to read these portions of Scripture, then we'll pray. But it says, Then came Amalek and fought with Israel in Rephidim. And Moses said unto Joshua, Choose us out men and go out fight with Amalek tomorrow. I will stand on the top of the hill with the rod of God in my hand. So Joshua did as Moses had said to him and fought with Amalek. And Moses, Aaron, and Hur went up to the top of the hill. And it came to pass when Moses held up his hand that Israel prevailed. And when he let down his hand, Amalek prevailed. But Moses' hands were heavy. And they took a stone and put it under him. And he sat thereon. And Aaron and Hur stayed up his hands, the one on the one side, the other on the other side. Uh, and his hands were steady until the going down of the sun. And Joshua discomfited Amalek, which means he cut him down. Just imagine a lawnmower. When you're pushing a lawnmower over grass or high weeds, a weed eater, you're discomfiting them. That's really what that means. But he discomfited and, 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 and rob them of whatever uh, progress at, and, and advancement that they made, and his people with the edge of the sword. And the Lord said unto Moses, Write this for a memorial in a book, and rehearse it in the ears of Joshua, for I will utterly put out the remembrance of Amalek from under heaven. And Moses built an altar and called the name of it Jehovah Nisi. For he said, Because the Lord hath sworn that the Lord will have war with Amalek from generation to generation. Did you read that? He will have war with Amalek from generation to generation. Now, I, I, I want you to stay there, but uh, hold your place there. But I want to read Psalm 60, verse 4. And this is what the Scripture says in Psalm 60, verse 4. 
It says, thou hast given a banner to them that fear thee, that it may be displayed because of the truth, Selah. God's given us a banner when we fear him, that it may be displayed because of the truth. And then in Psalms 20, I want to read one more passage of Scripture, then we're going to pray. Uh, it says in verse 5, and this is an awesome psalm, really. There's nine verses. wouldn't hurt us to read them all. But for the sake of time, I'm going to read verse 5. He said, We will rejoice in thy salvation, and in the name of our God, we will set up our banners. The Lord fulfill all thy petitions. God's given us a banner. Amen. And it's more than just something that we see as a flag or uh, something that is a symbol. It, 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 it means something. Amen. It means something. Uh, and so this morning I want to preach to you, Jehovah Nisi, my banner of victory. How many wants to be in victory? Praise God. Let's pray over the word. Father, we thank you for this privilege to be here and to just worship you and break open the bread of life. And I pray, God, that you minister to every heart and every life this morning. God, that you would have your perfect will and way this morning. God, that you would just, as I've asked you for the last two days, to anoint these lips of clay. God, I lift my hands and I say I depend upon you totally. Because I cannot do anything without you. I need you, Lord. I'm desperate for you, Lord. I'm, I'm, I'm empty and at a loss and powerless and impotent without you, Lord. But with you, I have all the power that I need, God, to accomplish the task that you place before me. And that is to preach to these folks and God minister to their heart, Lord. And I pray this morning that you will equip me to do that. Hide me behind the cross because I truly long to glorify you in the words that I speak and the message that is preached this morning. God, I pray, Lord, that your grace will be imparted, your power imparted, your spirit this morning, Lord, will begin to be imparted to each and every person in your life and begin to activate, Father God, faith. Let it come alive tonight, this morning, rather, I pray that the Spirit of God would stir up the hearts and God will give you all the glory and honor for you long for us to walk in victory. I thank you today and praise you and ask your blessing upon this word. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Now I'm excited to preach this today because it's clear how that this particular passage in Exodus 17 parallels with our Christian walk in faith. I want you to note something, you Bible uh, students, this morning. And uh, that is that Israel had no war. They came out of Egyptian bondage, and they were in, and, and God fought for them, and they crossed the Red Sea on dry land. They had every provision that they needed from God. And right here in this same chapter is whenever God begins to bring water out of the rock, and they did not have war. With anybody, they never even had to fight the Egyptians. God did that for them. But they had no war until the water came out of the rock. Yeah. What does that mean to me, Pastor? Water, in this example especially, is a type of the Holy Spirit. And in the Old Testament, it was a, it was always a source of contention, a bone of contention 
with uh, with the outskirt uh, with the outer uh, nations because they were all from you know had an origin more so in the book of Genesis but it represents the water represents a type of spiritual blessing why am i saying that because the devil doesn't start messing until god starts blessing when god begins to bless that's when the enemy begins to come in and invade with strategies. But I've come to tell you today, he's already lost. He is defeated. Amen. He is defeated. You've got to know today that the enemy is defeated and that God has come to give us life and life more abundantly. Amen. The enemy is a defeated foe. And you've got to know that today because as God begins to bless your life, with spiritual blessings, and it will come. The enemy will come automatically on the scene. In verse 5, I'm, I'm sorry, in verse 8, in chapter 17, in the book of Exodus, Amalek begins to fight Israel. Why? The theological answer is that they were Esau's descendants. What, what does that have to do with it, pastor? Well, I believe there was a spirit in them that was angry over the loss of a birthright. Amen. They were angry over the loss of a birthright. If you've read your Bible, you know that Jacob began to, to, uh, begin to, in essence, manipulate Esau out of his birthright with the pot of stew. That's all that it took. He was so hungry. And, uh, but he, he, he threw to the side, discounted, considered it nothing. The birthright of God for a pot of stew. There's a generation, I can tell you, our bellies become our God. And it's not just food, it's everything else that would cause us to kick to the side the very presence and blessing of God and the birthright that He's given us. You hear me today, I'm preaching to you. I'm preaching to you to encourage you. I'm not beating you up. I'm encouraging you today. There's a birthright in Christ Jesus that we can't let anything keep us from. But there was an anger. There was an anger over the loss of that birthright. There was an anger over the blessing of God upon Israel. And you have to see that just as soon, I can tell you, as the joys and the blessings start flowing in your salvation experience, the devil always shows up. We had, uh, we had as a church a great ministry, uh, uh, outreach last week. Was it last Saturday? Yes. Last Saturday. Not yesterday, but last Saturday. Whenever our street ministry team did the Thanksgiving dinner and we had a great out, uh, a turnout and more than we had even expected. And I say we, I didn't really do anything. It was the ministry team. But all glory belongs to God. Amen. We're a body here. Amen. But it was what I would consider a successful outreach. But it wasn't long. It was just two days later. We found ourselves in the ER with our granddaughter. And me and Sister Skiles got out of the, the car at about 2 o'clock in the morning. And we're walking in. And she said, you know what? I said, I already know what you're going to say. And I agree with you. I'm a step ahead of you. I said, the devil's mad because God 
God is moving and touching lives and hearts. We've had said people come by the droves that we've planted seeds in or the street ministry has poured into and poured into and you're starting to see some fruit from it and the devil's mad. And so what took place is he comes after to attack us in our family. He come to attack us. Henry called and he said, would you please pray for my granddaughter? She's in the hospital or headed in that direction. She needs a miracle. We got to know whenever you start to put your hand to the work of God to gain a, to gain a territory and make advancement, the devil's going to come in because he can't stand that we are advancing the kingdom of God. Now, let me just share with you a more spiritual and practical application is this war between the flesh and the spirit. Galatians 5.17 says, For the flesh lusteth against the spirit. i got to take this off. I can't breathe. I don't even know who made this. Guess what? I don't need it. I'm free. Is that all right? My shirt's wrinkled. Just look at my head and forgive me. Something told me don't put it on. You're going to be restricted. It's like a mask. Amen. Can't breathe. Praise the Lord. I already feel liberated. You're in trouble. But this is an application between the spirit, the practical application or spiritual practical application and the war between the flesh and the spirit. Galatians 5.17 said, For the flesh lusteth against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh. They are contrary to one another so that you cannot do the things that you would. And that simply means without the cross, the work of the cross, because you can overcome through the blood of Jesus and by the power of the Spirit of God. You have to understand the translation of the Scripture. And uh, But in Galatians 4.29, it says, As he who was born after the flesh persecuted him who was born after the Spirit, even so it is now. In other words, just like Peter said, there are fleshly lusts that war against our soul. And in verse 16 of our text, in chapter 17, God said, The Lord has sworn that the Lord will have war with Amalek from generation to generation. When you read that, you think, My goodness, are we ever going to not have to war against the flesh or war against the things of the enemy's attack in this life? Yes, we'll get there at the end of the sermon. But I want you to be encouraged today because when you read these things, it can tend to be a little bit discouraging that I'm always going to have to fight. Yes. Amen. Yes. But it's pregnant with life when we read God told Moses, recorded as a memorial, Jehovah Nisi. Amen. The Lord will always have war with Amalek. It represents a banner that shouts from an altar of victory, a victorious shout of victory that he is not just with us but in us and for us. And if he's for us, who can be against us? 
I got down and I was praying just a couple weeks ago and I just poured my heart out to God in a weariness. And I said, Lord, I said, is this ever going to end? Is it ever going to stop? Am I ever going to not deal with this anymore? And God spoke to me. I heard him in my spirit. I heard him in my spirit. He said, Jonathan, I am not taking you out of that, but I am going to bring you through it. Amen. I'm not going to relieve you from the past. You're always going to go through the battle, but I'm not going to leave you nor forsake you. I will be with you. There is a recourse for you, buddy. You've got to know in whom you have believed. And he said, Moses, you tell Joshua. Why Joshua? Because Moses was going to die. He wasn't going to take the children of Israel into the promised land, but Joshua was. And he said, you tell Joshua, write it as a memorial. You will continue to deal with Amalek, but God will war through you. And you've got a banner of a promise of a victory in Jesus. And in the power of God. So in other words, Amalek may dwell in the land, but he is not going to reign in the land. What does that say to you and me? Romans 6.12 says, let not sin reign in your mortal body, rule in your mortal body, that you should obey it in its lust. You got to know this. This scripture tells us the sin nature exists. Yes, even in the Christian. Even in the Christian. I'm not happy to declare that to you, but he said, let not sin reign in your mortal body. That's the same as saying, let your light shine. It can't shine or it may not shine. Sin may reign in your body, but it doesn't have to reign in your body. The Amalekites may be in the land, but they don't have to reign and rule in the land. You may be tempted with some sexual lust, but you don't have to give in to it. Out of bitterness and unforgiveness, the spirit of it may come, but you don't have to give in to it. Hatred may come. Jealousy may come. Envy may come, but you don't have to give in to it. King Saul gave into the, the jealousy and envy of David and he eyed him and he tried to kill him all the time. But David, when he had an opportunity to take out Saul, he said, I cannot take out God's anointed. He brought that under subjection. There are things that, are you with me this morning? There are things that come up and rise up in our life and temptations and thoughts and things of the flesh, but they don't have to reign in you. Pastor, everybody's tempted. Duh! But guess what? There have been times I yielded to temptation. I'm ashamed to say it. There have been times. And I'm thankful to say by the grace and mercy and power of God that I've looked and said, not today, devil. You're not going to have my mind today. 
But there is something behind that decision. It's a power from on high. It's a power to fight that battle. And you don't even have to fight it. God fights it for you. He does it in you and through you. But if those hands aren't lifted up, I can tell you, you're going to lose the war. You've got to pray. As much as I'm sitting up here breathing and gasping for breath, you have to pray. You have to pray. You ain't going to make it outside of a prayer meeting. You'll die. You'll wither away. But those, they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. My God, the scripture tells us the, the nature, sin nature exists. Yes, even in the Christian. Listen, I'm going I'm to tell you something very profound here. And it's simple but profound. The sin nature dwells and reigns in the unbeliever. They're not in a fight. It's not a sin for sinners to sin in their eyes. We go, why are they doing such stupid stuff? Because they're sinners. They want to sin. They want to get high. They want to get drunk. They want to fool around and be promiscuous. They want to do that. But until God comes in and changes their life and tells them and shows them there's a better way, they're going to continue in that. Hallelujah. And I'm not saying that you're not saved if you struggle with something. Everybody at points and times in their life struggles with things. But if you're struggling, that means that you're fighting. (laughs) Hallelujah. You're fighting. But it dwells and reigns in the unbeliever. They are not in a fight with the sinful nature, but rather in complete submission to it. They bow to it. And it dwells in the believer also, but it doesn't reign. Amalek's in that land, but he doesn't have to reign. But he's going to come and fight. And he came up behind the children of Israel. It says in Deuteronomy, in their weakest moment, the devil always comes in your weakest moment. When the people that were lagging behind the people that were the end of the, ca- the, the, uh, the caravan were at the back and they're kind of bringing in the rear. You know, it's kind of like that wildebeest. Those lions sit out there and they watch. And when there's a thousand that come through at a time, they don't go and take on the herd. They take on that last one that comes through and goes, well, I guess I'm going to be okay. And the next thing you know, he's off in the water and he's got his neck. He got his neck. And he kills him. That's why you need to stay in the herd. Are we a herd, Pastor? We're a sheepfold, amen. (laughs) So yes, we're sheep, and we need to stay together. That's why whenever you're going through something, you got somebody that's going to lift up those hands. That'll encourage you. That'll lift you up. And maybe we need to hear this morning, That we need not be so self-absorbed and so self-centered that we forget everybody around us. Because we're supposed to bear one another's burdens. But the sin nature may dwell in the believer, 
but it doesn't have to rain. It's not supposed to rain. I want you to see the paradox of Jacob's life. Stay here with me because there's a lot of great thoughts that God wants me to bring out. But in Genesis chapter 45, now mind you, Genesis 45, starting with verse 26, the Bible talks about how Joseph sent back a caravan unto, unto Jacob or Israel and, and to, to prove to him, come. He, the, the prop, the, the dream rather that he had, that he spoke to his brothers and spoke to you, Abraham, uh, I'm sorry, uh, that spoke to you, Jacob. He said what he spoke, it's meant to, to you. It's meant to encourage you. It's, it, it, you know, hold on. I lost my train of thought here for a second because people, they get up and walk out and then I just lose my train of thought. So sit down. Don't go to the bathroom unless you have to. Listen. Joseph fulfilled the destiny God told him in a dream he was going to fulfill. We know that Jacob's sons all went over to Egypt to get grain, and they came back. They came back with all of these blessings with them. And guess what happened? The Bible says whenever he was first told, in verse 26, he told him, saying, Joseph is yet alive, and he is governor over all the land of Egypt. And what did Jacob, he didn't say Israel there, he said Jacob's heart fainted, for he believed them not. That's your old nature. That's that old man that doesn't believe. But in verse 28, the Bible says, and Israel said, well, let's read 27. And they told him all the words of Joseph, which he had said unto them. And when he saw the wagons, which Joseph had sent to carry him, the spirit of Jacob, their father, revived. It revived. And Israel said, it is enough. Joseph, my son, is yet alive. I will go and see him before I die. I think that's so awesome that his spirit revived within him. But what I found was so interesting and so powerful was that he was called Jacob when he didn't believe, and he was called Israel when he did. So are you living in Jacob? Are you living in Israel? Are you living in the old nature or the new nature? Are you living under the power of God and his blessing? Oh, how sometimes we need reviving in our hearts to remember the promises of God. Now, in our opening text, we see the entrance of a new nature is the beginning of a warfare with that old Esau nature that, by the way, does not fear God. And as we step into new territory and occupy a new level and experience in God, the attack will come, as we said earlier. But we are not alone in this war. The account is so empowering to me that Moses is on that hill and everything that's taking place down there in that valley is all being dictated by what's going on up in that mountain. It's kind of like a kid as they play those video games. They got the control. You're watching it on the television and it's all happening so fast. 
I can't think that fast. Amen. Uh, once you get past Tetris, I'm done. They're at, they're at that control, and every movement that they make affects everything that's going on on that screen. Come on now. That's why they call them controllers. And what God is doing through us in our prayer time, that Joshua is just down there fighting and doesn't even realize, I don't believe, totally realize the depth. Maybe he did. Maybe I'm selling him short. But I'm just telling you that whenever Moses' hands went down, he began to lose ground. But when those hands went up, he began to advance and discomfort Amalek. Everything is accomplished in that prayer time. That is your war room. It blessed me the other day. I went to somebody's house and went to the bathroom. And as I came out of their, their, bath, their bedroom door where the bathroom was in there, I saw a prayer uh, a post on the door. And they had prayers that they were praying for and prayers that were answered. And I'm, I'm looking at that. I'm saying there's a war room right here. Amen. There's a warfare going on right here. And one day the greatest prayer request that they prayed for is going to be scratched off of that because they never gave up. So keep praying for your loved ones. Because they may not be here yet, but they're coming. They're coming. They're coming. Now, I want to be very careful not to use Moses and Joshua, Aaron and Hur as types of Christ, even though you could. Joshua stood for Yeshua in the New Testament, which is Jesus. And we know that Moses was the great intercessor. Aaron was a high priest. Hur's name, which was Miriam's husband, they say, so it was Aaron's brother-in-law uh, and Moses' brother-in-law. You, you see her over here, and his name represents light. So you've got Jesus the Savior fighting down in the battlefield for you. You've got Jesus the intercessor, ever living to make intercession for the saints. You've got the great, or the high priest, but Christ is the great high priest. He's higher than any other priest, higher than Aaron, higher than King Melchizedek. He's higher, higher, higher. And you've got uh, her on the other side, which is light, which represents the Holy Spirit. You got all these things working for you. But I want to be careful because I know that you can't exactly make it a complete and total shadow because Christ never grows weary. God never grows weary. Amen. There's no slumbering with him. There's no shadow of turning with him. He never grows weary, and he certainly doesn't need anybody to hold him up. But we can use them just for the sake of illustration here that they are types of Christ. The Christ is our conquering Savior, our great high priest who is interceding. And it blesses me to think if Joshua were to turn and look back at that hill, he'd see three men on that hill. And you see a man hanging in the middle with his hands. See, there's so many things in the Old Testament. You go, oh, it points to the New Testament. Hallelujah. Here's Moses up there with his hands 
Can you imagine? Joshua's down there fighting, and he looks back and he sees Moses up there, and he sees them hands in the air. What he's saying is, I know I'm going to prevail because God is for me. Come on, church. Come on. You're not going to do it on your own. Your, your battle is not with flesh and blood. Amen. The weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they're mighty through God to the pulling down the strongholds. If you're going to overcome drug addiction, it's going to have to be more than your personal discipline. You're going to have to reach out and touch the nail-scarred hand of God Almighty and His Son who shed His blood to break every chain. Hallelujah! 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 He said the anointing breaks every yoke. Oh my God, my God, my God! They overcame Him by the blood of the Lamb and the word of their testimony. You don't have a testimony except you come through the blood. Come on now. Christ is our conquering Savior. And He is that man in the middle that's interceding for us. But today I just want to say this. I feel led to minister the graces that bring the victories we need in our lives. If you're not a Christian today, you may not understand everything that I'm saying, but I just want to leave you with this, that God wants to save you, and He wants to deliver you, and He wants to give you power over the things that have held you in darkness and bondage your whole life. We know He can deliver a methamphetamine addict. We know He can deliver an adulterer. We know He can deliver the demon possessed. We know He can set the captive free. We know that you don't have to live as a Christian in bondage of depression and anxiety. We know that God will liberate you. He's not given you a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. And he's fighting that battle for you. But I want to talk to you today about your participation in this great battle. Because Jesus saves us to put on the whole armor. Well, thank you. You three or four soldiers, thank you. Jesus saves us, washes in his, us in his blood, delivers us, and he fills us with the Holy Ghost. And he says to us through the word of God two or three times that we are to armor up with the armor of God. Because he does not save you to sit. That's why they called them pews for so long. People sat there so long they stunk. Pew. You say, well, this is my chair. Well, if it smells... I'm not being funny. I'm just saying. Amen. I love it because I see some chairs and I see the stains of tears on those chairs. I see this, the, 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 the residue of Kleenex because people have wept and cried. I've seen spots down here and I know they clean it on a weekly basis. That that's what this old fashioned altar's for. And I've, I've come here on a Monday morning and saw tears stained on this altar. We used to hear about tear-stained altars. 
Oh, we need tear-stained altars again. That's the problem in the church. There's a tearless church being sired today. But I can tell you, when there's wet wood on that altar, the fire will fall. Amen. When there's wet wood on the altar, the fire will fall. Hallelujah. Thank God that I feel my heart to minister the graces that bring the victories we need in our lives. And it starts, number one, with the great grace of God. You can't do nothing without God. Now, I want you to consider this. Their success, Joshua's success, was and Moses, even Moses' success in that army to take out the Amalekites, the flesh, the enemy of God, the rebellion that came against that which has turned and accepted and believed God and feared God. Their success to fight against the Amalekites was not due to a great army that Moses and Joshua put together. They didn't even have an army. They had to make an army. We're, we're talking about a ragtag group of people that only knew 435 years of bondage, or at least, I would say, 300 years of bondage. Because once a new Pharaoh came in and he didn't know who Joseph was, he said, we're going to bring these people into bondage and they're going to work for us and build our cities. The slaves. So they've got a generation of people, of Israelites, that haven't known anything but bondage and captivity and slavery and oppression. And then you bring them out. They've never fought a war. They murmur and complain. That's why our army today, I can tell you the United States Army is on the decline. And if you are a military veteran, I say, God bless you. Thank you for your service. But we don't have the people in office today that have the guts and the chutzpah to stand up and say, you know what? We're not going to have a bunch of sissies in our military. Amen. We're not going to have people in there trying to figure out which gender they are. And if you don't like it, I'm sorry. That's between you and God. And what I'm saying is between me and God. Amen. You can't have people out there that don't know what in the world they are. You got to have people, amen, that have a mind to fight. That's in the natural. In the spiritual, we see that Moses and Joshua had an army that they put together. But they were an army that were a big, hot mess. You and I are not going to conquer the enemy on our own. And we're not going to conquer him on a broken down old man's self-fleshly life. That old way of thinking. That's why he said, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. God gives him a new heart. Amen. He gives him a new set of faculties. He gives him a mind to think, to fight, to war. And they were fighting. But it wasn't by their own power. Because it's not by might, nor by power, financial or might, and strength in the natural. But it's by my spirit, saith the Lord. It's by my spirit, saith the Lord. 
So we have to understand and get out of your head. You're something. You ain't nothing. I ain't nothing. Amen. I see some of these guys that walked in here, and I remember when they walked in, they were tough as nails. They walked in. Amen. You know. Amen. Looking at Lorenzo, I remember when he walked in. You know how people, you know, they're always watching their back. They always got their back to the wall. They're not going to be like this where you can get a target on them. No, no, no. I watched old Lorenzo. He stood back there by that bush in front of that column. I didn't know who he was, but he walked in. You know, I said, he's a rough character right now. But I watched him come down here and shed oak, layer by layer, weep and cry on an altar. Man, loves God, loves his family, loves his church. Amen. Loves his leaders. Praise God. He just, God transformed him. He transformed many in here. That's the power of God. And you realize, I can't fight this battle on my own. I can't go back to that old way of thinking and think that that's the way it's going to be. No. All that was was bondage and captivity and murmuring and complaining and belly aching about things because we were in our flesh. But that's why Paul told Timothy, he said, he said, endure hardness like a good soldier. Get some thick skin, buddy. Because not everybody's going to like you. In fact, the closer you get to God, the more or less, the, the less people are going to like you. <laughs> Amen. Amen. But it starts understanding this. They were a murmuring, complaining, fickle bunch that only knew bondage and slavery and oppression, and they had to learn how to war. It was by the grace of God that they became who they became. Spiritual warriors are not born that way. They are forged. They are developed. They are shaped and they are disciplined through experience. That's what it says in Romans 5.4. A lot of translators say character is in place of experience. And Paul said, I learned in whatever state I'm in to be content. He learned about spiritual character. We got to have spiritual character. When you got spiritual character, you don't fall apart and leave out of the church just because something didn't go the way you wanted it to go. Yeah, I said it and it hurts. But people stomp and they leave and they get mad because they didn't get their way. And if they're listening, I hope they hear me. I still love you. But I want you to know something today, that it's not your way or my way, it's God's way. And if I left every church I got mad in, I'd probably have been in 10 churches too in five years. got to grow up. You know, if something happens, I'm just going to stay here for just a second. If something happens, spiritual people come over and they go, let's talk about this. Let's talk. Let's talk. They'll go and plaster it everywhere. They'll stomp and leave and scrape the paint off the doors. They walk out the door. They come and say, you know what? I'm spiritual. I, 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 Let's work this out. Was there a problem? Let's talk about this. 
You think I never had an issue or me and Gilbert ever never had a disagreement? We did not in a long, long, long time. He says, no, but there have been times in the past that, you know, we may have disagreed on something. We didn't, we didn't, you know, fight and argue over it, but we got in a disagreement and I may have walked away and he may have walked away. He may be him not, but me. But I walked away and I thought, you know what? Kind of irritates me that he doesn't see it from my perspective. I didn't cut him off. I didn't drop and lose his number. I didn't unfriend him. I couldn't. He's not on Facebook. So there. I'm telling you, in 12 years, me and Tom Cage, there have been times we didn't always agree on everything. I love that man. I love Gilbert. We're friends. We're brothers. We work together. We don't just throw a big fit and walk away. We got too much invested in this relationship. And more than that, we've got a relationship with God. This needs to be preached more because people need to learn that the greatest warfare you're ever going to fight is going to be within the people of your own body sometimes. And guess what? There have been people that said things to me that hurt my feelings in every church I've been in. But God said, you're going to stand there and you're going to pray it through. You're going to forgive them or you're going to ask them to forgive you. You're going to go on. You're going to love them because your relationship with God and being in the presence of God where God has planted you is more important than our petty feelings. I don't want nobody to leave. I want everybody to stay here. I'm in the building of people and edified by the Spirit of God through preaching. I want to run people off. So let's have character. Let's develop character. Let God develop that character in us. We're born of the Spirit, but we're developed through faith, experiences, and the Holy Ghost working in us. Gideons are developed and encouraged by God. Jephthahs are built and developed by God as they learn dependence and trust in God. Moses, the great man of God, knew the art of prayer. He knew the victory comes by God and all things are changed by prayer. I used to say prayer changes things. Then I grew a little bit and I said, no, prayer changes people and people change things. Well, I've gotten an even a greater revelation than that. Prayer changes me. And I changed it. That's a ticket right there. They're not going to change me. I can tell you God's trying to change. Moses, the greatest of all men at that time, God's mouthpiece found himself at a place where he was weary and his hands became heavy. This walk becomes heavy sometimes. And you know why God allows that? Because you and I need to understand, I can't do this on my own. I got to stand or sit on that rock. And you know what? I need the spiritual I need God's grace and his spirit to lift up these hands. 
because I can't do it on my own. And and it's in, in, in a spiritual sense with our brothers and sisters. Sometimes we need people to come over and lift up those hands and carry us through in prayer. Amen. We need an Aaron and a her to lift up those hands that hang down. Let me just share with you just this week, I was in prayer or I was in bed in a dream or a vision. I can't even tell you when it happened, but it happened. But I was, I was, I was seeking the Lord, whether I went to sleep praying or woke up praying or I was, I don't even remember when it happened, but I remember being in prayer and I said, God, I said, please speak to me. I said, let me discern what's going on in the church. Let me see, let me see the, and know the pulse of the church. Give me that discernment. Let me see. And God began to bring people, faces before me. Don't come up to me after service and say, was I, in, was I one of those faces? Face after face after face after face. And many were leaders. And he said, they're weary. They're weary. And he said, they don't show it on their face. But they're weary and well-doing. And there's people that are weary and evil-doing. It's a whole different thing when you're weary and well-doing. Because it oftentimes will bring confusion. Because you're like, God, why? Why do I feel this way? And he's saying unto you and I, you've got to lift up those hands. You've got to let me lift up those hands and lift up their bones. Because I'm your glory, son. I'm the lifter up of your head. I'm the one that will lift you up. And, and listen to me today. I say this with love. I'm not saying you're weary because of sin. Not at all. In fact, the Lord said they're weary because of just life in general. They're working full time, trying to maintain a spiritual life, trying to be family people, working for the church. They give, they love, they support, they pray, and they're weary. Some people are weary because they're going through things. But as I begin to see your faces come up before me, God said, I want you to lift up those hands in prayer. Not your hands, but lift them up. So I begin to say, God, lift up this one, lift up that one. Touch this one, touch that one. Lift them up, amen. We need to be people that discern so that we know how to pray. And we need to understand that just like Moses, you may think you're a spiritual giant and you may be one, but sometimes the soldier cries too. Sometimes the soldier cries. They may not let anybody see it, but they cry. They're broken. And that's why you got to sit on that rock and you got to lift them hands up and say, Lord, I can't do it on my own. And he says, let me take over. Amen. Let me lift up those hands. Moses did it for a long time. Then there comes a time whenever you just have to give up and let God take it. Amen. Amen. That burden that you're carrying and you're saying, Lord, I'm brokenhearted because my kids aren't serving God. I'm brokenhearted because my spouse isn't living for God. I'm brokenhearted because of this and because of that. You have to know. That God is on your side. He's for you. It has to change us, church, or we will weary out. We're in a perpetual war that is bigger than we are, and that is why we must depend upon him.
You know, the warfare of the battle of the flesh and spirit is taxing and has defeated far too many men and women that are Christians. David said, how are the mighty men fallen and weapons of war perished? I'll tell you how. They learned how to do a lot of things, but they forgot how to pray. They cannot. They cannot. Saul won great battles except the one that was inside of him. And today I don't want to discuss discipline or duty in prayer or even defensive prayer. And all three of those qualify. But dependence on God in prayer. I've been there where I fought in prayer and prayer warfare. I've been there where, you know, it was going through the motions and just saying, Lord, I'm here because I want to be disciplined and I'm responsible to pray. But then there are times whenever I fell on God and all of my flowery prayers and all of my eloquence and all of the these and the days and the vows went out the window. He said, I don't need you to pray in King James Version. I just need you to help me. God said, couple times, maybe five times in my life, I knew I heard his voice. He said, just stay there, son. Let me bless you. Let me bless you. Let me wash you. And I said, spring down the face. He said, let me wash your feet. Let me love you. His hands and spirit of God just touch you. He said, you have to depend on me. You can't do it for you. He's faithful. This morning, I don't know where you're at. Maybe you're not even a Christian. You've not surrendered your life to the Lord. But you want to. Today is your name. This is your opportunity. You know, I think one of the things that we need to do is we need to ask the Lord to make himself real to us. He will to be make sure. We need to repent of our sins. We need to turn from them. We need to surrender our life. We need to come and receive Christ, pray and repent and all of those things. But when I came to Christ, all I can tell you is that he made himself real to me. And I fell in that altar. And I said, Lord, I don't really know anything about you. I just know what I feel is better. And I'm asking you to just save me, to touch me, to heal me, to help me. There were things that I knew was simple. I asked God to forgive me and help me. And you know what? He came down and reached out to see him. As he's faithful, mighty God. Would you bow your heads and bow your spirit? Jesus. Father, today I thank you for this great privilege and honor to be here. God, to minister your word this morning. Minister your word this morning. And God, I'm just asking you to draw people by your spirit.
draw them by your ability. Draw them out. Today, 